0: beginning to look like christmas but we're not quite ready to start talking about christmas yet one more message here on thanksgiving for our, our thanksgiving season you know uh, grumbling is pretty common in in the world right now for some people it almost seems like it's a hobby uh, sometimes i will ask people how are you doing and they'll say uh, i can't complain and i always respond to that with well i think if you try hard enough you probably can because some people seem to find something to complain about everything. You know, we're in the season of Thanksgiving, and grumbling is at odds with gratitude. So grumbling, of course, being just this negativity, this complaining, at odds with gratitude. I'm really thankful that we have leaders in our country's history who have set aside time to say... In, we're going we're to remember to be thankful uh, with some kind of rhythm. You know, once a year at least, we're going to set a day aside to, to be thankful, because because grumbling has such incredible negative effects. Let, let me give you two negative impacts of, of grumbling. One is that it alienates people. You can probably think of, of someone, please do not turn around, look at somebody, make eye contact right now. But you can probably think of somebody who tends to grumble a lot. And I dare say that you probably don't like to spend a lot of time with that person. I mean, I know those kind of people in my life, I'm kind of like, how can I minimize my time with those people? So, so that's one thing grumbling does. But even worse than that, a second thing that grumbling does is it offends God. And there are some serious consequences for grumbling And and I I want you to avoid those consequences. So that's what this message is about this morning. This is somewhat of a Thanksgiving warning for you. So if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 1, that is where we're going to be. I love Thanksgiving. I I honestly think I probably love Thanksgiving more than Christmas because it's just so simple. You know, so uncommercialized. And it just, you know, it's just like a connection with God, you know, to say, God, thank you. And I, I love the food. Ate a little bit too much this year. I've, I've been good the last couple of years because i would be like, you know, is it really worth feeling miserable afterwards? But this year, I just it just tasted so good. I was like, yeah, OK. Anyway, so it is what it is. Heads up on this message. OK, this is not a typical Thanksgiving Message. I mean, often we will have a Thanksgiving message that reminds us of all these different things that we have to be thankful for. There's a little bit of that in this message. But that was more last week. Last week was more a message that is motivating for those of you who are motivated to do the right thing. Today is a message for those of you who are motivated to avoid the wrong thing. Okay. So in Romans chapter one, Paul paints this picture of of this cosmic tension between a holy God and a very unholy, rebellious, sinful human race. And in the midst of that, he talks about giving thanks. So let's, let's start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Pause there for a second, and we we don't have a lot of time to spend here on this, but I I think this is a staggering thought for us, that when we choose unrighteousness, when we choose disobedience against God, we are actually suppressing the truth. It's like we're hiding the truth. When we choose to obey God, it's like we're, we're making a statement to say, what God has said is good. And I'm living my life that way. And I want you to see that. I want the people around me to see that. When we choose to disobey, when we are unrighteous, he says, we are suppressing the truth. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. To who? To to the human race. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes... Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. There it is. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This, this text is one that we often reference to highlight how creation points to a creator. And so a a few weeks ago, uh, a a men's discipleship group that I'm, I'm part of, we, we started this, this text chain where uh, one guy sent this, this picture that he had taken the, the night before. He said, good morning guys. Last night I walked out of work to God's painting. Beautiful, beautiful sunset. Uh, and he reminded us that we have group the, group the next day. Um, have a blessed day. I responded to that with my picture, which uh, unfortunately you can't see this super well, but um, this is actually a picture of the church. So I was walking out to the parking lot, out to my car and saw that same sunset. And I was like, wow, we must've walked out of work at the same time. Then a third guy sent this next picture and he said, wow, you know, last night's sunset was awesome. It was so cool. We were all at the same moment appreciating God's God's creation. And so, by the way, if you're not part of a group, this is what you're missing. Uh, getting to share uh, life together and share just how great God is. Romans tells us that, that we are to give thanks. We are to give credit to God for being the creator. And and in a, in a, on a serious note, it says there is judgment for those who fail to give credit to God as creator. And it also highlights the importance of giving thanks. Let's read verse 21 again. For although they knew God, although they could see God uh, in, in the evidence of the things that he has created, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Paul is setting side by side. The the honoring of God as creator and the giving of thanks to him. This is serious business. So if, if giving thanks to God is a way to honor him, then the inverse is true. Failing to give thanks to God is dishonoring to him. And And here's the point that I hope you'll walk away with today, the warning. We are at odds with God when we fail to thank him. We are at odds with him. I I don't think we realize how serious an offense this is to God. Probably we don't realize it because most everybody around us is grumbling. Most everyone around us finds something to grumble about something or just about, just about everything. We we live in a culture that is prone to entitlement. We we live in a culture where we, we are prone to think it's owed to me. I have it coming. God, God owes me. And so instead of being grateful, we're, we're like standing tapping our foot. When's, when's the next blessing? Instead of giving thanks for it. But there are serious consequences for grumbling, for failing to give thanks. So buckle in because we're going to look at them. And to do that, we're going to turn to Psalm 95. So if you're using a print Bible, it's going to be smack in the middle of your Bible. You just flip your Bible open to the middle. Psalm 95. Now when I, when I start reading this, this is going to sound more like a Thanksgiving text at first, but hold on. All right. Psalm 95 verse one. Oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with what? Thanksgiving, there it is, let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. The the Hebrew words for thanksgiving and praise come from the same root. Verse 3, for the Lord, why do we give praise? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the, the dry land the, we praise we give thanksgiving because god is creator because he has made all things the, the hebrew word for for thanksgiving is Toda. you may remember that because it rhymes with yoda but it's Toda, and and it means it, again it's the same root as praise it means to publicly declare god's character and his works that's what thanksgiving is, to publicly declare, to make it known to other people, God's character and his work. So whenever you see that word thanksgiving and giving thanks in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, it is not, this is very important, it is not about a feeling. It's not about, I, I feel thankful and I feel grateful and it wells up inside of me and it spills out and if I don't feel it, I don't say it. That's not what the hebrew idea is the hebrew idea is about a spiritual discipline of giving glory to god even when you don't feel it it's about it's about god it's not about what you feel it's about who he is and what he has done that's what thanksgiving is is about let me give you an example from psalm 26 I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. So, so I need to pause here for, for just a moment and, and clarify what we are doing when we come together to worship, when we come together to give thanks and, and to praise. So a while ago, we were, we were all singing together. When, when we are singing together, the purpose of us coming together to sing is, is not so that you'll feel better. It's not so that you'll you'll get charged up and like, wow, I really liked that song. And that, I man, Revelation song, man, every time that gets me. And that just gets me charged up and I just feel so grateful. That's not what this is about. And sometimes I will hear people say things about the worship like, man, it just it just didn't do it for me today. It's not for you. It is for us to come together and to express, to declare the greatness, the character, the works of God. And I, I understand that we all have our favorite musical styles, but when you get past the musical style and you look at the content of what we are singing, that's, that's, You need to unite your heart with the words that we're singing and publicly declare the the character and the works of God. That's what giving thanks is about. It's what the psalm writer is doing in Psalm 95. He's saying, verse 3, the Lord is a great God. He's a great king above all gods. Imagine this. This is, this is a hymn written in ancient Israel, tiny little country of Israel surrounded by hostile nations. That's not so hard to imagine because it's kind of the situation still today. But here they are saying, Yahweh is a great God. He's a great king above all the gods. We have the greatest God. And here's why. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his. The sea is his, for he made it. In the ancient world, the sea was considered, this is the greatest enemy we have. Because, I mean, it was untamable. I mean, you're at the mercy of the sea. It was also considered synonymous with evil. It was a symbol of evil. Even the sea is his. It belongs to him because he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. It all belongs to him. That is why, verse two, we come into his presence with thanksgiving to declare his character and, and his works. And it gets better because not only is God powerful, he is also personal. Verse six. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep. Of his hands, so so not only is, is his hands powerful enough to create all things, to hold all things, he also guides us personally with his hand. It reminds us of Psalm twenty-three: "The Lord is my shepherd." It reminds us of Jesus saying, "I am the good shepherd." I mean, he is personally. Can I imagine that the God who is powerful enough to create the universe, to create this planet, to create all these ecosystems that are so incredible, he is personally involved in in our lives so it's appropriate to give him thanks to declare his goodness but if you are not motivated by what is appropriate maybe we will be motivated by the warning that comes next second half of verse 7 today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as at meribah As on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test, and this is God speaking, and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the the psalm abruptly changes tone, doesn't it? Um, I I don't know if your Bible has a title for this psalm Uh, at the beginning. Mine does. It says, let us sing songs of praise. And I would just add to that, or else. I mean, there's a warning here at at the end uh, of this. I mean, the the reference here to Meribah and to Massa is a, a reference to a historical event, actually two historical events in Israel's history. Where God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And they are moving through the wilderness, through the desert, towards the promised land. And on the way, they hit this point at Massa and again at, at Meribah, where they run out of water. Now, that's a, that's a serious thing. I mean, that is a serious running out of resources. I mean, we, we all know that we can survive for a while without eating. I mean, right now, most of us could survive a week or two, you know, without eating. But water is a different story. We we can't survive very long at all without water. And the people of Israel coming out, this is about 2 million people. They have no water to drink. This is serious business. And so this is when our faith is tested, when our resources run out. When you and I come up against situations in life, where we're like, I, I don't have what I need to do this next thing. What's what's going to happen? This is where our faith is tested. And this is where we are most likely to question God. This is where we're most likely to say, okay, God, um, I know you did this thing back here, but what what are you going to do for me now? That's, that's what these people did in, in verse 9. He says, your fathers put me to the test and they put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. I mean, they had just, they had just come through the Red Sea. The Red Sea got parted in front of them. Nothing like that had ever happened before for anyone. And he saved them through the sea and he delivered them out of Egypt. Before that, plagues. God was pummeling the Egyptians saying, let my people go. And he rescued them and he brought them out and now they're Out of water, and they're like, yeah, God, I know you did that, but can you come through for me now? I I need to, this is probably going to be uncomfortable for us, but I need to apply this for us right now in our situation because, because some of us are feeling like we're out of resources right now. And, and this year, I mean, honestly, I mean, this year has been a mess. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, when you think of, of what we've had to deal with and what we're still dealing with and, and the pain that many people are experiencing, I just talked with someone, uh, this weekend who lost a mom, who lost a mother over the weekend and they are not able, their family is not even able to go to the funeral home to see their, their loved one, their mother before she is cremated. I suppose because of liability issues. I, I don't know. But I, my heart just broke when I heard that. I'm like, it is hard enough to lose someone, but to not be able to have the closure of being able to go and, and see them and even say goodbye. It's just, the, and, and we could multiply those stories over and over and over again. This, is, this year has been a mess. And some of you are feeling like you're just, you're out of resources at this point. And this is when we are most prone to say, okay, God. It's actually we forget about what he did before. It's like, God, what are you going to do now? How are you going to get me out of this? What are you going to to do? And we forget what he's done, and we question what he's able to do. And that that is a serious offense against a God who has promised to take care of us. Those of us who have trusted Christ as our our Savior, Paul says, we we read Romans 1, Romans 8, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously along with him give you all things? We, We offend a holy God when we fail to thank him. It is not a small thing to question God's character and ability. And so at Massa and at Meribah, God provided water. He, he was committed to preserving his people. So he provided them with water. He preserved them. But he brought judgment. And he said, "You're you're going to miss the promised land. Verse 10. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They, they missed the promised land. See, God's intent was to bring them out of Egypt through the wilderness. And into the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, where they're going to be able to to finally be able to establish themselves in, in rest and thrive and multiply and be a light to the people around them. That was God's intention. But because of their disbelief and their disobedience and their questioning of God instead of giving thanks to him, he said, nope, you're not able to come in. And so... The question for us is, when we run out of resources, will, will we trust or will we question? We're, we're choosing trust when we give thanks for what God has done in our life. When we come up against this situation that's impossible for us, but we're choosing trust when we look back and we say, Well, God, you, you delivered me back here, so I'm going to trust that you're going to do it again. And then we wait patiently. And we wait expectantly and we wait with anticipation. He's going to provide in his way, in his timetable. But we are at odds with God when we fail to thank him, when we fail to trust him, when we grumble, we miss his blessing and we place ourselves in the path of his judgment. If you're squirming right now, you might be thinking, okay, yeah, this was written thousands of years ago. It was Israel it was about that. But I need to refer you to, to Hebrews, which quotes this, and we'll put this up on the screen. Um, he, the, the writer of Hebrews quotes this exact psalm. And then he says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. It is possible for us to miss the new promised land that is available to us. There's a promised land that is available to us because of what Christ has has done. There's, There's a promised land today, which is, even in this world, even with everything broken around us, it is that God's presence will live with us, be with us, and he has promised to provide all of our needs. That is a promised land in the midst of a really broken world. And then ultimately, finally, there will be a promised land that we will enter into where all the brokenness will be taken away. Where there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more disease, no more COVID, no more broken relationships. And so we have that to look forward to, but we can miss it. If in the present, we're not trusting God and we're not declaring his character and his works. By giving him thanks. That's what Paul said in Romans 1. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And if we had time to continue reading in Romans 1, we would see this very ugly downward spiral that leads to the judgment and the wrath of God. Because... Humans have turned their backs on him instead of giving him the credit that he deserves. Our only escape is is through Jesus. It's to honor Jesus and his character and his works. If you've been with us in, in Colossians, that's what we've been doing. We've been looking at how Jesus is the creator Jesus is God. Jesus is good. He was so good that he was willing to to come and to ransom us, to to move us from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of Christ, where we can live under his rule and under his peace. He, He makes that possible to us. And we, you and I, should be eternally and every moment grateful that he has done that. And when we begin to grumble, we're losing sight of what he has provided for us. And we need to be cautious. We need to be careful that we do not miss the promised land. Certainly, we can miss the promised land in in the present and the joy of walking with him in faith. And if we've not truly trusted Christ, if we're not truly putting all of our eggs in that basket, as it were, then we will miss The ultimate promised land. And so the psalm writer says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't harden your heart like those people who came up against an insurmountable situation, insurmountable for them, and lost sight of the God who is able to deliver and instead just grumbled and complained. We are at odds with God when we fail To give him thanks. You may be in a wilderness of your own right now. You may be out of resources. I want to. I want to demonstrate something for you. Just a little kinesthetic thing that you can take with you this week. Uh, I'm going to demonstrate it for you, and then I'll invite you to to join me in this. But this is maybe a way to help you remember the path that we need to be on. It, It starts with fists clenched in in a posture of entitlement and demanding. God, you, you owe me. How how dare you? Why aren't you providing for me in this instance? And it, it moves from there to open hands that are open to receive and remember that everything good in our lives is a gift that we receive from him. And so we move from there to folded hands to say, thank you, God. Thanks for, for meeting my needs. So do that with me, if you would. We, we start with this. I mean, we're starting with a posture of entitlement. God, you owe me. But then we move to open our hands and say, God, you give to me. And then from there, we fold our hands and say, God, I thank you for what you've done. So take that with you this week. When you are tempted to grumble, you can go into that and then move yourself into, I'm receiving and I'm. Thanking God. God, you, you took care of me back here. I'm trusting you to take care of me again. The, the, the Hebrew word for thanksgiving means to declare God's character and His works. And so the other thing that I want to ask you to do is to, in some way, shape, or form, to publicly declare God's character and works as you have experienced that in your life. And so here's a couple of options for you to do that. You can go onto our church social media. Uh, We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram. Uh, You can post something on there this afternoon. You could, uh, if you're not on social media, you could uh, send a text to some of your friends or to a family member. Send an email to someone. And just say, you know, during this Thanksgiving season, I just just need to share how good God has been to me. And I just want to say, he's a good God, and here's what he's done for me. Can, can we flood some of that into the internet space these days, please? I mean, there's such a bunch of junk out there. Can we, can we put some good stuff out there and give God glory and honor? When we do that, we, we are being a light in this world that desperately needs the light of Christ because we're pointing Him, or we're pointing the world to the one who's the giver of every good gift. Let's pray. Father, um, forgive us for failing so many times to give you the credit you deserve as our creator and for taking for granted so many times the things that you bless us with and failing to give you thanks. Lord, may we be a people who who cultivate an attitude of gratitude, not just because it's good for us, not just because it keeps us from driving people away from us and alienating them, but, Lord, because you deserve it and because it is the right thing to do to publicly declare your good character and your good works. Lord, may we not fail to do that as those people did in ancient israel as so many people are failing to do today lord may we succeed in doing that may we be faithful to do that so that the people around us might look at us and say wow something's different about you and i want to know more about that i want some of that lord i pray for anyone who is is within the sound of my voice this morning who has not trusted Christ and looked to Christ for all of their resources. I pray that today would be the day. I pray that today they would not harden their hearts, but they would come to you, the the gracious and kind and generous shepherd who wants to lead us through this wilderness and provide for our needs. I pray, Lord, that you would soften hearts to cry out to you. And Lord, for, for those of us who are walking with you, Lord, help us to faithfully Give you thanks. Help us to arrest the grumbling that builds up in us at times. And remember your, your goodness and give you thanks for it. We do that this morning in your name. Amen.